not going to be real preachy tonight. I'd like to just share what the Lord did on our last trip from, from our perspective. We had the privilege of hearing from other angles of uh, what happened and what they saw, and that's a rare treat, really. No, no one speaker can actually show you the whole picture, and uh, so that's a blessing that the pastor got to share. If you were here for the uh, Rainbow, Rainbow Fellowship, he showed some pretty good pictures of my expert driving. <clears throat> if you missed it, you missed it. And uh, you, can't, uh, you can't really visualize the roads there uh, from uh, a verbal description. You have to really see it. And uh, he had some video footage that somehow he managed to take. It was so bumpy, I don't know how he got got video, but uh, between that and being not feeling too well, uh, he did get a few uh, seconds of that, and we were right up on a ridge and where the road is gone, and they've, they're redoing it, and it was uh, one of the more interesting parts we had on that route. That is the main road, by the way, to Ukrul, where we, we go nearly every trip, and uh, it's 48 wonderful miles of uh, ruts and, uh, and potholes that you can't imagine and uh, sometimes the road is down to one lane because the rest of it has fallen down the cliff. Uh, you know, that's where it gets really nerve-wracking because you don't know if you're going to be on it when the next part slides off. And uh, we do a lot of praying on those kind of trips, amen? <laughs> so your prayers were answered, we came back alive. <clears throat> Praise God for that. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, just one verse, we'll begin with verse 16. And uh, Paul writes here to the Corinthian church, <clears throat> to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. My text is that first line there, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege it is to stand here tonight. We ask that you would meet with us. Most importantly, we need you. Pray that you would uh, give us ears to hear, hearts to receive. Pray that you would use me to be a blessing and challenge us from thy word, the life of Paul and others that have gone before us, that have done a work for you that you've been able to use. We pray, Lord, that we would be a ready vessel, be a willing servant in whatever capacity you have for each of us. Help us to ask the question of ourselves tonight, what is my part? And uh, may we be willing to, to do what you'd have us do. Please, uh, may you have your way in our heart now tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. Each of us <clears throat> have opportunities put in our path. And uh, we ha all have the opportunity to preach the gospel. In this context here, it's telling the gospel message. Those around us, those that we work with, those that we live near, family members, those wonderful Thanksgiving dinners with relatives that uh, need to be saved yet. And, and our, our prayer ought to be that God would use us in some way with the opportunities he puts in our path. Uh, whether that's at the post office tomorrow, at the gas station, uh, in the convenience store, 
Or as uh, we heard in our Sunday school class, uh, Brother Haney over here had the opportunity to help a homeless man uh, this week. And, uh, and I'm sure that he had the opportunity to, uh, to share the gospel, or at least some of it, with that man who's in great need physically and very well could be in spiritual need as well. Many around us still need to be saved. Amen? Yeah. You know, one, one mis, uh, misconception that we find in India <clears throat> is the people have actually told me this, and some of them pastors, saying that we don't really need to start any new churches in America because everybody's a Christian here. And I, I, I laugh, and then, I'm, then I say, what are you, where'd you get that idea? And uh, I assure them that, uh, no, no, that's, that's not true at all. And uh, if we, uh, I try to assure him that, that if we uh, start churches here, it doesn't mean we're not going to come there and help there as well. Uh, somehow they have in their mind that uh, you've done your work there, you're done. You can just come on over here and, uh, and do what needs to be done here. And there certainly is a lot to be done in India. With nearly 1.5 billion people now, uh, they are about to surpass the population of China, they say, in the next few years. Uh, there's, there's multitudes have never heard the name Jesus let alone a, a clear presentation of the gospel. Many that still need to hear. And that's that way in many lands, many places. In the 1040 window especially, there's, there's 66 nations where it is restricted from uh, Christian missions. And so many will be born, live, and die in their, their town, city, never having an opportunity to hear. If, if we don't go, if somebody does not go, if somebody does not reach out somehow to them. And we have so many different avenues we can use to preach the gospel, to give the gospel. You may be uh, quite handy with the, the internet and uh, websites and different things like that. I've heard of people putting uh, gospel messages on websites where people can dial in and, and by the thousands, people are tuning into these kind of things where it is not possible for them to go to a church like we have tonight. But they can go online secretly and find the answers to their questions. What is it God would have us do? What is it that God would have you do? Each of us must find our place in this statement that Paul makes, this purpose that God gave him was to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. What's he saying there? He's saying to the Corinthian church, God has called me to a particular thing, and that is to go beyond where you are and to reach them also. God has called you, Corinthian church, to, to reach your Jerusalem and your Judea, your Samaria and your uttermost, but God's called me to go to the regions beyond you. That's what a missionary is about. Going to places where you might not be able to go. And God calls men and women to go to these places that need the gospel, and God is, has not uh, stopped calling. I think some people have stopped listening. I think some have stopped answering. And uh, we don't realize that 
in the center of God's will is the, is the most the safest place to be in the world. It, it could be in the middle of gunfire in Iraq or Iran or uh, Afghanistan, but if that is where God has put you for his service, he'll protect you. He'll use you. And if you die there for the cause of Christ, he'll still use it. Amen? I think we've, we've become so afraid of of, uh, of some things that we, we won't consider. I know that uh, when I first uh, became a missionary and, and we, were, we were counseled to look for a field and pray about a field where God wanted us, I have to admit, I didn't consider places like the 1040 window because I was told that those are closed countries. You can't get in there. And nobody had the vision or the imagination to think that we need to be more creative about going to places like that because we're still commanded to go to all the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And somehow, God will use us and get us there if that's where he wants us. But we must, our part is the faith. Our part is the obedience to step out in obedience to God's call where he wants us. To preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. Now, what are some things that we do on these kind of trips? We went to uh, the 1040 window from August 22nd to September 17th. We had uh, the first team, we had five people, <clears throat> included those two nice-looking ladies there in the middle, uh, Kelly and Sandy, and uh, then we had also Pastor Summers from Chelsea, Michigan, Faith Baptist Church of Chelsea, and his 16-year-old daughter, Mariah. And we all... Uh, met in Chicago and, uh, and flew forever to get to Delhi. <clears throat> Amen. We went to Chicago because the flight, the flight arrangement uh, going through Newark wasn't working out this time. And so it was a longer flight going that, that direction. We got to Delhi and, uh, and we, we, were, we had no problems getting there. Praise the Lord for that. Everything went smoothly. We got settled and Next morning we had breakfast together and had our little business meeting and uh, chatted about what our goals are and what's going to happen. The, next, the very next morning, very early, we'd have to be at the airport to fly for another couple hours to the next destination. And, <clears throat> well, what is the job of a, a missionary? I bet some of you could answer by now. pastor mentioned it this morning. It's to evangelize, baptize, and disciple the same purpose that the church has here. The same purpose. We're not going over there to do something different than what's done here. We're, uh, we're to do the same thing, it's just in another place. Amen? And uh, now, we, uh, we do it just a little different because we're going into places where we can't personally do some of these things. We can't personally be there long enough to start a church and and watch it and help it grow. We have to teach others to do this. We have to teach others to evangelize and their responsibility to reach their, those four areas. We need to teach them who ought to be baptized and who shouldn't be baptized. And, and uh, this has become quite a challenge of, of late. Uh, we're finding many people who are attending independent or, or convention Baptist churches who are being taught now 
that uh, when a child turns 12 years old, you baptize them. Without a profession of faith, without any evidence of salvation, they're just automatically lined up and baptized. Well, what do you think about that? That's not, not Bible, is it? Um, and so we do a lot of teaching on this, and we're finding, and this is why a lot of times we're seeing people saved in these churches. Uh, we were able to go out and, and uh, preach the gospel in several churches uh, during this trip. Uh, the Lord allowed us to see 27 souls saved. We praise the Lord for every one of them. Some of these were college students who've been raised in Baptist churches. And they, uh, they come to realize, hmm, maybe I'm not saved. I got baptized when I was a child, and, and uh, I thought that's all there was to it. And uh, so the, we spend a lot of time just teaching what the Bible says. That's a novel thought, isn't it? That uh, we just teach what the Bible says. And uh, anytime somebody asks me a, a pointed question to try to trip me up, I just say, well, what's the Bible say? Let's look at the Bible. And uh, let's look at all the verses. Let's not just pick one verse out. And let's, let's look at the context. And let's look at who's, who's talking and who they're talking to. And uh, let's see what God says about this. And it's amazing how the light goes on. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, well, yeah, okay, I, I understand now. And uh, it's a blessing. Uh, we, Pastor got to preach in uh, what I believe is the first Baptist church in the state of Manipur. It was uh, planted by a, a Scottish missionary who was under an American Baptist board. <clears throat> and uh, he went there in 1894. And so... Preacher had the privilege. I've never preached in that one. And so uh, it's a beautiful church. It's known as, uh, hmm, can you say it? Pyong, Pyong, Kong? Pyong Hang. It almost sounds Chinese to me, but uh, uh, but I understand that when he gave the invitation, I think he probably thought what I thought the first time it happened. <laughs> Do they really understand what I said? Because they saw 16 people saved in that service. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's 16 people probably who've been going to that church all their life. And never had a clear presentation given to them. Yet they call themselves Baptists. They, be, they say they believe Baptists. And a long time ago I, I realized when I'd asked somebody, what, what, what do you mean by Baptist? What's it mean to be a Baptist? What makes you a Baptist? And nobody could answer me, except for the staff. I said, this is a serious problem. This is why, this is why they will lose their Baptist heritage. Because people there don't know why they're Baptists. They don't know what it means to be Baptist. They don't know what our forefathers fought and died for to give us this book and to give us salvation clear uh, by, by grace through faith. You see, these are the kind of things that they need. These are the kind of things we need. Amen? I believe there's pla places like that here in America where people may attend the right church, but they have no idea why. And that's how they can just go off when they're able to get loose and 
not think a second thought about it. That church over there or over there is the same, it just, they just name different, right? <laughs> no, no. There's a lot to this. If you don't know why you're a Baptist, you should find out why. What makes you a Baptist? And <clears throat> as Pastor said, and I believe the same thing, if I, I chose Baptist, I didn't start Baptist, uh, because, uh, because of, I like the name, it's because after studying, came to the realization this is the one that's closest to what the pattern is given in the Bible. Amen. The Bible. Amen. We have a Bible. Let's use that Bible to show others why. Well, of those folks that got saved, some of them told me, I, I need to get baptized again. That told me they got it. Amen? Uh, there's some that say, well, I've already been baptized. I was baptized when I was 12. I said, when did you get saved? Today. Well, what's the Bible order? The Bible order is you get baptized after salvation, right? Yeah. And they're wrestling with that thing, just like I did when I was a new Christian. And I can understand that. <clears throat> but if they want to do what's right, and they want to please the Lord... We need to teach them what will please the Lord. Amen? Well, how, God, how they could have God's blessing on their life. Now, our main emphasis this trip was on the discipleship part of the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, uh, 19 and 20, it tells us we're to teach all nations, baptizing them, teaching them all things whatsoever I've commanded you, the Lord Jesus said. And so that, that third part is that discipleship of new converts, that part that often gets left out in a lot of places. They, we're excited to see someone saved, and, and we're even more excited to see them come and get baptized, but that's not the end. That's not the end, and that's, this, is, this is so important that they get grounded in the faith so that they will become a productive servant of God, not just a saved, baptized member. Amen? And so we spent, uh, we did four Bible conferences while we were there. And uh, in 2 Timothy 2.2 is my next verse. It's really the theme of this part of the ministry where Timothy, I'm sorry, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Now, <clears throat> I need a, let's see, Sean and, I'm sorry, what, what's this young man's, would you come up and help me a minute, Sean and, Josh, Josh. thank you, Josh, pastor and, uh, and brother. Now, <clears throat> here's, here's Apostle Paul, mm. and God has called him to the regions beyond, come on up. We're going we're gonna to put you in line here in a minute. Okay. And uh, you're going to be Timothy. You're going to be Titus. Okay? And so, Paul spent his time, if you, if you don't do this, you ought to read the book of Acts every month. Amen? It'll get you excited. I love it. And uh, Paul gave his life to pass along what God showed him. That's what you see in Timothy and Titus and others that, that, that 
first followed him around, and then he was training them all along, and next he had a Timothy. Then he had a, a Titus. And uh, he didn't just stop communicating with them. He, kept, he, he wrote to them. He, uh, he, would, he would take them on his journeys before they became pastors. This one became a pastor in Ephesus. This one became a pastor in Crete. How did that happen? They just they couldn't find anybody else? Or did God call them? And God prepared them. And God used a man to help a man who would then take what he learned and pass it on to faithful men who are able to teach others also. And that's, that's where uh, maybe I'm one of those that he won to Christ and, and he trains me and, and he, he won this one to Christ and he trains him because we've, they watched us and they decided we were faithful and would then be able to teach others also. And this is a pattern that shouldn't just happen in Paul's life, but it should happen in every church. Amen? Thank you. Thank you very much. <clears throat> All right, so Paul's, Paul's uh, mission was to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. But it wasn't just to preach the gospel. There are, there are American preachers that come to India and watch this. They come, and they, all they come for is to preach the gospel and to uh, tally up a bunch of numbers to come home and tell everybody what they did. Now, I'm not against people getting saved, but that's not why we should be going. Because the people there are capable of preaching the gospel. Amen. Amen? What they need help with is the training, and this is what they tell us. Not because I think they need it. It's because they tell us, brother, can you help us train our men? Can you help us with, with some materials that would be good and, and reliable materials? Will you help us get a Bible for our people? Because our people have this trash for a Bible. Over and over, that story has been told to me. Now for 14 trips into India. It has, we've tried to change that little by little. Well, that's, that's how it's ended up, little by little. Our goal would be more, but we need more laborers. We need more people to give and to go and to preach and to pray and to come and teach because we're looking for more Timothys and Tituses who can be trained to teach others also. Amen? And that's, that's part of what we do there is to help the leaders and most of our conferences are for the leaders because we can't afford to, to feed a thousand at a time. It would be easy, very, very easy to gather a thousand people in every meeting. All you have to do is say, we'll feed you lunch. When you have hungry people, they will come. See? I wonder if we would come if somebody advertised we have a, we have a lunch for you. <laughs> Not likely, right? Now, <clears throat> that lunch you served uh, the other day at the Rainbow, that was good. That smoked meat. Uh, you'd have 2,000 show up for that. I mean, <laughs> especially if it was pork or beef. Yes, sir. That was good stuff. Thank you. All right, so what do we do to, to help them? We have uh, come up with a couple things. We, uh, we have what we call Bible truths for new believers. Well, here's the English version. And there's one there that's in uh, Zonka for Bhutan, one that's in Nepali 
for Nepal and northern India. There's Tato, which is this coat I'm wearing tonight, the Tato people. And these are not just tribes of a couple hundred people. These are, this Tato tribe is 350,000 people. I don't know how many millions of Nepalese there are. Uh, we've got um, <clears throat> the Tonkal for Brother Ningwan's people. We got that. We got Burmese for Burma. Angelus took some of these into um, Burma just last week, along with the John Romans. I'm getting ahead of myself, but uh, these are some tools. What is this? This is six basic lessons for a new believer. Things to get them some foundation, to ground them in the faith, to, to give them some assurance and confidence in their salvation, number one. Because so many struggle with their eternal security. Why is that? Well, because next week they'll have a, a Pentecostal conference and they don't know the difference and they'll go over there for the next week. And they'll have this over here. And when I get back, they're all confused again unless they've been grounded in the Word of God. Amen? That's their goal. What's the Bible say? I keep telling them that. I say, what's the Bible say? You listen to somebody preaching, you ought to have your Bible open, and you ought to say, that's not what the Bible says. And you ought to leave. Amen? <laughs> Even if they're going to feed you lunch. Well, not just to disciple our new converts, but to strengthen the churches. Find many people, like I said, they're attending churches very faithfully. There's no sight like Ukrul on Sunday morning that you've ever seen, unless you've seen the video of it, there are literally thousands of people walking to church about the same time, all dressed up like this, ladies in very nice clothing, all walking to church faithfully, 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. <laughs> kind of convicting, isn't it? We can't barely make it here at 11 o'clock. Hmm? Uh... No, these folks are, they're like Baptist Catholics. When we were, we were in Portugal as missionaries for six years, that's how it was with those Catholic folks. They were up and in church, mostly the women and children. But they're faithful. You can get someone that's got some faith like that and get them saved, you got a good church member. Amen? <clears throat> Well, some of the printing projects. We printed uh, these in India with the help of uh, a couple of the men that we work with. So we could give out, we'd give the training, and then we would give out the uh, booklets in their language. So now they take it across the border into Burma. It's in Burmese. Uh, they, they go to the villages in the Tonkal area, which is another 350,000 people. Uh, and they have a tool to use. When someone gets saved, they can, they can now give them some discipleship. They can help them to grow. They can uh, meet with them and teach them where, where to find things in the Bible. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 3.9.
It says there, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Again, Paul, talking to the Corinthian Christians, he says, we, church, he says, we are laborers together with God. We. I say that to you, Columbia Road. We are laborers together with God. With the same purpose, the same focus, what can God accomplish, right? That's what needs to happen. And so, for the work of God to go forward to the regions beyond you, we need to, we need to labor together, the same heart, a one accord, asking God, what is my part in this equation? What is my part in this, this ministry, this mission? Because every person has a part. Every person can have a part. We just finished our prayer letter, finally, uh, from this last trip. Excuse me. I just wanted to highlight a couple things here. Uh, I've given you some of those details, but our first segment of the trip with Pastor Summers and his daughter and Sandy and Kelly and I, we went up to... uh, the Bhutan border. Bhutan border is uh, about three and a half hour uh, taxi ride uh, from the airport further east. And um, we, had, we had a little fun there with uh, some of the natives <coughs> along the way. We stopped along the way in the mountains there. And, uh, <coughs> and some of you saw this, I think. Uh, so we, we decided we're going to walk back uh, up the hill a little bit on the road there to see the monkeys a little closer. And uh, some of them wanted to see us a little closer. And uh, I was kind of tagging along behind, and all of a sudden I see this big one come running over and grabs a hold of Sandy's skirt. And Pastor Summers was about to try to shoo the, uh, the monkey away when he realized... Well, what happens if he pulls harder? <laughs> well, I, I tried scaring him off, and uh, he wasn't being scared off. He turned around at me, and he showed me his teeth, and I was like, uh, <laughs> run! <laughs> God delivered us, amen. Um, you never know what you're going to see. Uh, we've seen elephants. Uh, they have rhinos there. We have not seen them yet, but uh, we've seen lots of monkeys, and that was the most aggressive one there. Well, he got the prize. <clears throat> After our time up in, uh, uh, we spent some time up at the college, the new college there. That uh, st- It started about 2015, and uh, long story short, but uh, I'll tell a little more later. But it was 95 degrees, and it rained every day and night uh, with brief intervals of no rain in between. <clears throat> and and we, all, we were convinced that we had somehow we'd flown the wrong direction, and we ended up in the Amazon someplace <laughs> because it was so hot. And I looked at Brother Summers, and I said, this is your fault. And uh, it was the only time he could come. And uh, I said, that's awful early in the season. It's going to be raining I didn't remember it would be that hot, but uh, it was all of that. And there was no air conditioning at the site. 
praise the Lord, we, uh, we made it out of there alive, and uh, we, we got to uh, see, see a few of the ministries there. We'll, we'll show you some pictures in a moment. Uh, then we went back to uh, Siligary for toward the airport and got to spend some time with a Nepali pastor there, and we had a, a, a pastor and wife's meeting there, and a good, good turnout, and we had a delicious meal together, amen? And um, it was still 95 degrees, but um, after that, we went back to Delhi, and that's where the summers flew on home, and Pastor uh, Bill arrived as we were, go- we took them to the airport, and, uh, well, we tried to take them to the airport, and Brother Bill came in. And uh, so it went pretty well. Uh, we got that, and uh, the next, next trip, we were on our way to Manipur, where Brother Ning Wan is, the man you've heard so much about. <clears throat> and this week, this was team two, it was just uh, four of us then, Pastor, Sandy, Kelly, and I. And uh, we had two Bible conferences there. We, we preached in uh, five churches, I believe, over there. And let's see. It was very exciting to see the new building. The new building is almost done. Uh, they <clears throat> Once it's finished, there'll be a, there's a two-story building that's all done. And then there'll be a three-story building next to it for the college to be able to move over and uh, give up the leased property. And this is our prayer that that will be accomplished in the, within the next month. Uh, Brother Ningguan and his staff are always an encouragement to us, and uh, I, I wish that somehow we could get them here for you to meet them. We truly love these folks. Humble, very, very easy to work with, very, um, very solid. And um, the college students, there's uh, 70 or 75 students there, and uh, <clears throat> we always have a great time with the students. Last year we took them up on the mountain, preached to them, and we had a picnic. And this time they took us to another park in the woods, uh, still on a mountain, and uh, beautiful, beautiful spot. Got to preach uh, to the the students there. There was three saved, and uh, it was a wonderful fellowship. Now, one thing that we didn't realize we were going to be able to do was uh, a couple years ago we had uh, some. We did a John Romans project here. You may remember, <clears throat> uh, we didn't, I didn't know what language it was until almost the last minute, but it was Burmese. It was a Burmese John Romans. It was in 2019, right before we went on our trip in 2019. And so we were able to take about 700 of those in our luggage. And uh, that was uh, a trick, but we did it, and God blessed it. But there was 160 of them left in my garage. And I was trying to figure out how to get them over there, and so they went in our luggage again. And so we were able to deliver these to the border, right to Brother Angelus, which is just, uh, by, uh, by a crow, he could probably fly there in a, about uh, 20 minutes. By, uh, by vehicle, <laughs> well, that's, it takes a little longer than that, like uh, two or three days because of the mountains, and it's all jungle. But Brother uh, Angelus is a jungle missionary, and uh, he's, a, he's a great guy. 
Anyway, he was so excited that I brought those particular ones with us. I said, these are special. I said, these were done by the hands of people at our home church. I said, some of these, maybe, uh, I even got to fold or staple, and uh, the people with us did this, and he was so excited. Well, before, before our week was up, he had taken those, along with the, the uh, Bible truth booklets that were translated into Burmese, on another mission trip. And we got pictures of that, and you got to see, uh, I believe this morning even, uh, a Burmese missionary witnessing to Burmese people using the John Romans from Columbia Road Baptist Church. Amen? That's good stuff. You don't get any more real than that. Uh, to be able to handle it here, to, to realize when you staple that, when you put that in the box, that so, a real person is going to open that one day, and they're going to read that, and they might get saved. Amen? Or they may grow in their faith, realizing they, ha- they hold in their hand uh, a, a translation of the Bible that Adoniram Judson did 175 years ago, and it's accurate. It, they can trust it. And that's not always the case everywhere. And so the folks are excited about that. Thank you to those who had a part in that. We got to see the end of that journey with those John Romans. And uh, there'll be more pictures coming because I've said you've got to send us pictures. People want to see what's going on. And so we also had a shipment of Burmese John Romans arrive just before we got there. And there's a lot of those to go around. Now, we really need some of you to come help us pass those out. Because there are 365,000 of them in, that, in the storage unit now. <clears throat> That's a lot of John Romans, right? Well, we are feeding those to all the ministries along that border. Where the border is technically closed. Because of a military coup in in Burma, Myanmar. But these men are, are uh, creative, let's put it that way. Amen? And uh, they want the gospel to get to those people. Let's take, a, let's take a peek at some of the pictures I got. Remember, in 1 Corinthians 3.9, for we are laborers together with God. Okay, so this is, this is Manu and Manai with us. Manu and Manai are on the Bhutan border. And God, God put us in their path. I first met Manu on my very first trip to India, 2012. He was single. He was uh, on staff at a Bible college where I was preaching. And it would be uh, two years later before I saw him again. We were in uh, India, and that particular trip, the... Uh, the state of Manipur was closed down. We had to change our schedule because there was, a, there was a, uh, an uprising going on among the uh, underground militia. And it's not good to be there when that's going on, right? Well, so uh, I called uh, a man I know and I said, could you help us reschedule? He said, I will. And he put Manu with us to take a train ride over to uh, Siliguri over near the Nepal border. It was a long, long train ride, like 14 hours. <clears throat> we won't do that again. Uh, we will fly. Amen? 
But in any case, we got to know Brother Manu. And uh, he was now married, freshly married, and his wife had just had their first boy. And he had left his, he was willing to leave his family for a few days to help us. Well, after we did, he took us to a couple meetings. Uh, We were able to, he said to me, he said, "Uh, would you please come with me over to where God has called me? Let's see here, I gotta find my notes for the pictures. So he was just starting his Bible college. Go ahead and uh, flip to the next picture, thank you. And uh, he'd allowed me to come and teach and preach there a couple times. One day I said to him, brother, where's your church? And he said, um, well, uh, my home church is in Manipur. That's, that's about a 14-hour train ride away. I said, that's kind of hard to get there, isn't it? I said, uh, I'm going to do some teaching on the local church. That's all I did was I trained on local church in their conference. Afterwards, he says, I need to start a church. And so he started Grace Baptist Church. You see in the background, this is on his new campus. The three-story building in the back there is where the, uh, the classes, or they hold classes and chapel in the top. It's an open air with a roof on it. And then there's a couple stories of uh, lodging. There's another couple buildings around it. And uh, then behind where I was standing, there's a, a couple more there. And they have 20 students now. And uh, they just started accepting ladies to be in the college because they didn't have a lodging facility for separate uh, dorms at first. But God's doing a great work. He is doing a great job. I want to emphasize that we are only coming alongside these folks that are doing something. I'm, I'm always praying, God, put me in the path of the ones that are doing something for you, but maybe we could help them with something. I'm not going there to say, see, this is how you do it, and uh, you need to do it my way. Uh, no, because they are very well equipped to, uh, with the culture, with the language. Doctrinally, he is solid. He's, I said, so what, what can we do to help you? He said, would you come help us train our people? Would you help us get a Bible? And uh, after a couple of years is when we began seeking where we would have the Linguistics Institute. I asked him to pray about it. After a few months, he wrote back. He said, I believe God would have us be a part of that. He sits within a mile of the Bhutan border. You can see it from the third floor building there. It's all tea plantations around him there. Beautiful place out in the country, away from the eye of the, uh, the busy village. And just across that border is a land of 806,000 people, Buddhist people, uh, who do not have an accurate Bible. And there's 28 languages there. But in 1972, the government began requiring all school-aged children to learn Zonka. So the people that were in school in 1972 is like our age. Uh, they're, they're now 
you know, 60 years old, everybody and from that age and younger can speak Sanka and read it. And God is, God is uh, putting the pieces together for us to have a part in getting the Bible translated to Zanka. We will potentially be able to reach a nation with the Bible. Would you pray for us, please, about that? Let's go to the next one. Manu is not just a college president, a pastor. He's also a church planter. This is, this is something he's on his own initiative. He has uh, reached out to the Atavasi tribe, which is the tea plantation workers. Atavasi is the lowest on the lowest of the caste system. They do things like road construction, tea plantations, anything that no one else would do. He has planted two churches now. You can go to the next one as well. This is a a service that we were able to have in uh, the newest of the two Atabasi churches. And that morning, two people were saved. Pastor Summers preached there. And uh, this is uh, somebody in the group also helped later on to uh, get them a cement floor in their building. It was gravel inside. You can see there's no windows yet. Uh, this, is, this is basic, very basic. <clears throat> but these are, all of these are Hindu people, former Hindu people. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so Manu is, is doing a great job. Let's go to the next one. This is a mon- uh, memorial to Pastor Azay Tamang. I met him in 2018. He was a missionary, a church planter, and God was working on his heart about starting an independent Baptist church back in his village. <clears throat> he said, will you please come? Will you please come and preach at our church? Please come. And so we worked it out to where we could, we could get together. A couple times we did, we did uh, pastor's conferences there, and uh, he invited all the area pastors. Uh, during COVID, unfortunately uh, for us, Fortunately for him, he's in heaven now. Uh, he was 29 years old, died of a heart attack while he was building the church, physically building the church building. God allowed us to raise the funds to finish the building and a parsonage for his wife. His wife is 24 years old, a widow. And uh, they had sold their life insurance to purchase the land. I, I said, uh, Lord... I don't think it's right to leave this woman destitute. And so, well, go to the next picture. You'll see his wife is giving her testimony there at the front of that church building inside. The church is packed. They're already asking me about uh, building a bigger building. I said, that's your job now. (laughs) I said, you need to raise money, get your people to give, teach them how to give. So that they know it's their church, their responsibility to raise money, and then we'll see, we'll see what the Lord does. Amen? And so Sanjana is her name, and uh, we actually stayed in Azay's and Sanjana's home a couple times, and uh, it was not much bigger than this classroom over here, and that was all the rooms put together. They gave up their room, so they went and stayed with, I think it was her parents, these are dedicated servants. 
you'll hear her name again at the end of this uh, presentation, but next, next slide, please. In November 2012, I met Ningwan. This is Ningwan, his wife, Sopi, and you've, you've uh, been introduced to them. There are five children now. Uh, the guy there with the, uh, the orange hat on, that's Edward Joseph, named after our son. He's a rascal, but <laughs> they're good kids. I met Brother Ningwan at the same conference I met Brother Manu. It seemed that the Lord had, you know, when I was, I first started with First Bible International, I said, God, you call me the 1040 window. Where am I supposed to go? I was reminded by the boss, you know, there's 66 nations. You need to pray and find where God wants you. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I have absolutely no contacts in those places. How am I going? I guess I'm going to have to ask God. Wow. What an idea. Within a month, a missionary was visiting our church in Connecticut, and he says, I'd like you and Pastor Peslak to come and preach at a Bible conference with me in India. I looked at Pastor Peslak and thought, you don't really want to go to India, do you? <laughs> he says, yeah, what do we need to do? <laughs> I have you know that Pastor Peslak only went once. Anyway, uh, Brother Ningwan was single still, I think, at that time. He just got married. Uh, I like teasing me, robbed a cradle. But anyway, he, uh, he was a very quiet guy at that time. But um, he had just started his Bible college the year before in a house that belonged to his parents. He, uh, he has quite a story to tell. Uh, we, we can't... Uh, take time now, but uh, this is a man who knows what sacrifice is, and I learn from him every time I go. I am challenged by this man every time I go. He does things to me like, I, I'd like you to come and preach with me in, a, in some remote villages, and I say, how remote? <laughs> I said, we are already remote, and uh, he says, oh, it's not far. I said, uh, okay. how far? Well, by car, about five hours. I said, what? You did it again this trip. Remote village. But in that meeting, we had two saved, and one of them was a deacon. Amen? <laughs> I couldn't believe my eyes. That's Ningwan, because he has a heart for his people. He said, our churches, primarily he'll take me to, to Tonkal churches. He says, our churches are full of lost people. Full. I said, well, what do you want me to preach? He said, preach the gospel, and let's give the invitation. And so, in 2018, we were at his place, Oak Grove Baptist College and, and church, uh, not church yet. I said, Ningwan, where's your church? Where do your people go to church? Well, some of my staff go to that church over there, and some go to that church over there, and, and that church there. And I said, where do you go to church? I said, what are you doing? I said, why do you have your, your people going everywhere? I said, do, you, do all these churches that they go to believe the same thing? Not likely. I said, no, they don't. I'll, tell, I'll answer for you. I preached in some of them. 
only because you put me there. <laughs> and uh, I said, you need to start a church. And uh, so we went through the things uh, that the Bible teaches about the blessing of God is promised on the church. Jesus promised to bless his church. And see, he didn't, he didn't promise to bless your college, though he might. He didn't promise to bless your, your orphanage, your, your day school, your whatever. He promised his blessing on the church. You need to start a church. Okay, pastor, I'll do that. <laughs> you see, he's very teachable. 2018, he started Bucro Baptist Church. They now run over 50 in their children's Sunday school class. And we've already had to expand the building once. So there's well over 100 people come to church. And all I did was say, the Bible says you need to have a church. Your staff needs to go to the same church where you know what's being taught so that they're on the same page. Amen? And he took it from there. See, This is, this is our, our function. It's not well-liked some places. That's okay. I'm just trying to follow the pattern of Paul. Paul didn't pastor any of those churches that he started did he? Shake your head this way. No. <laughs> he was an evangelist. He was a missionary evangelist. And so, let's go to the next slide. This is a, they have a full choir. They fit inside the church. They sing in on Sunday morning when we were there. Next one. This is the children's Sunday school. Pretty fancy, huh? Yet, look at all those children all dressed up, come to church. Amen? And they're learning the Bible, learning Bible stories by dedicated teachers, either staff or students. Next one. That's, by the way, that's the dining hall, too. <clears throat> this is the, the student body and the, uh, the staff in a picture. Yet, this is up on the mountain where we went... Uh, Preach to them at the park. Pastors in front there with Brother Ningwan, his uh, some of his children. What a blessing! What a blessing! Find people so hungry. Let's go to the next slide. This is John Cheatry. We're almost done. Hang on. He is a graduate of Grace Baptist Bible College near the Bhutan border. He is now a church planter. So we, we, uh, we start here at Columbia Road Baptist Church. You send out a missionary named Randy Johnson like you do others. You're our sending church. You're one of our supporting churches. Thank you. Thank you. We go to the regions beyond to find people we can help who will go to the regions beyond us. And, and get students here. They have students from several different states in India. When they can come, they're coming from Bhutan. That border just opened in the last week or so. After all this time, been locked up two years. <clears throat> and so students from Bhutan could not get in. Um, they have some students there from Bangladesh some from Nepal, 
It's a multi, uh, multilingual uh, place. That's why they teach in English, which is not easy for a lot of the students. John is a faithful servant. He talked to me uh, this last trip. He said, my heart is breaking for my people. My people are trapped in religion, trapped in superstition. God's going to use this man. He's still single. If there's anybody interested. <clears throat> Let's go to the next slide. This is Sanjana in the middle in the uh, pink dress. Dark hair, long dark hair. She is the wife, the widow of Pastor Isaiah. Um, let's see. She is she has kept the vision that she and her husband had to reach their homeland. Their homeland is Nepal. They are by nationality uh, Gorka Nepalese. That's the farmers of the of the Nepali people, but they live in Manipur. That's where they started the church. She wrote to Kelly this week. She said uh, that she recently made a trip into Nepal. Uh, her husband was the one that did this a few years ago with the materials we, we took them. They were so thrilled with that. He says, uh, she said um, she went in with another ministry lady to teach a group of ladies from Kelly's Essentials of the Faith Lessons. Sanjana attends Kelly's online ladies' training classes every week. Uh, we received a message from her this week that said, quote, I got to share my testimony and spoke from the lessons you, gave, you have given me. Four surrendered areas in Abraham's life, the title of one lesson, and faith to serve. Thank you for the essential of faith. I am thankful to the Lord for using your life to inspire me. I'll be traveling back tomorrow evening. Kindly pray for me. Now, we didn't directly win her, but God's allowed us to influence her, to encourage her to keep going, though her husband is struck down, taken from her. Would you pray for Sanjana? She's a, a nice young lady that loves the Lord. So a huge thank you to everybody uh, for the supplies you helped us take. One more slide, sorry. You may recognize this guy. This is the mountain man, Angelus. He's college vice president and missionary to Burma, to the regions beyond us. To the regions beyond us. This man will go places we can't. If I went, <clears throat> they'd have to bring me back in a stretcher, <laughs> probably to bury me. Angelus has a heart for the people there. He knows the languages. He's, he's doing a good job. One more slide. Okay, yeah, Exodus 17. I'll just read it from here. 11 and 12 says, And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. 
And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side, the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. We are co-laborers together. This is, this is Pastor Ning Wan, pastor of Ukro Baptist Church, president of the Ukro Baptist Theological College, the man who is, you can see the buildings behind pastor and, and him there, the blue roof. I believe God is going to do something special in this location. God's put us together. I don't take credit for any of this. I've just been along for the ride. <laughs> Ning Wan was one of the men I, I interviewed about the Linguistics Institute. Before I could ask him, he asked me. He said, would you consider? I said, yeah, we've been considering it. <laughs> I was gonna ask you. Uh, there's no explaining that except God was in that. And, and so this is, this is a grand opportunity God has given us to serve alongside. We've been going to work with Ningwon now since uh, 2013. And uh, God has, is doing a good work there. He's, he's got graduates going all out around India. He's got them going into Burma. He's got some now students from Nepal. And uh, these are folks that are there to train to serve God. What a blessing it is just to get to meet them get to know some of them, and uh, that's because we are co-laborers together. We're laborers together, Columbia Road. We are laborers together with God. Let's ask God to do something really great in these last days. Could Jesus be coming soon? I think so. I'd like, to, I'd like him to catch me busy serving him somehow. Whether it's here or over there, let's, let's be busy about the Father's business. Let's find the place that God has for each one of us. What is our part? Everybody can pray. And everybody, we need you to pray. Amen? Many can give. Not everybody can give the same amount, but everybody can give something. And God can take and multiply it and meet the need, accomplish the purpose. Maybe God wants someone to go. My wife and I aren't getting younger, but we'll keep going until we can't. Amen? And that's when they put me in the ground. So I hope that uh, you would consider the message this morning was awesome. Is God calling you to serve him? I remember those days. I asked that very same question. How do I know if I'm called to be a missionary? Huh? I think everyone asks the same question. Do you think that God would keep that a secret? No. He wants, he wants us to surrender to him, whatever it is. He will not keep that information from us. If we say, yes, Lord, here am I. Use me here. Use me here at Columbia Road. Use me wherever. Amen.
That's what God's looking for tonight. Will you say yes to him? Let's stand for a moment. Bow our heads together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to serve you here and abroad. Thank you for the many, many who sacrificed to make it possible for us missionaries to go to the regions beyond us. Thank you for all that you're doing in these different places around the world. Thank you that we could have a, a small part, whether it's praying, giving, or going. I pray that you would help us tonight to truly ask ourselves: is God speaking to me? Ask God, are you speaking to me? Ask God to make it clear, to show you what his plan is. Are you willing? He's just looking for a willing heart tonight. With our heads bowed and eyes closed here tonight. Is there someone who'd say, I'm willing to pray about that. I'm willing to pray about it. And ask God, would you have me? Would you have me go? Is there anyone like that tonight? You say, remember me in prayer. God is tugging at my heart. And if, that, if you're having that uneasy feeling, I'm familiar with that. Who do you think that's from? You think the devil wants you to go to the mission field? Oh, no. That's the Spirit of God tugging at your heart. Are you willing to say yes I'm yours, Lord. Like Brother Steve said this morning, I belong to the King. Some have come to pray. Will you come tonight? Say, Lord, here am I. Show me. Show me if, uh, what, what it is you want me to do. As Pastor said today, he wants us to be busy here before he's gonna send us over there. Are you doing all you can here? Maybe you need to surrender to that tonight. Pastor. Glorified in it, in Jesus' name. Amen. Sean comes to lead us in that hymn.